0: Here we go, we're live, seeing some people tuning in, how's everybody doing, Dreadlock Seth, what's up? Thank you guys for joining, my favorite human of all time is on his way, Mr. Dave Wassel. This is actually the first time I've ever gone live, I think him too, so we're going to try and pull this off for you. But in the current situation and possible boredom of the world, I was hoping to provide some form of entertainment, because most likely you are on this device as much as I am. So I figured, why not check in with some of my friends, see what they're doing, because I miss talking. Here we go. Dave Wassel. Let's see if we waiting for Dave Wassel. This is fun. Yes. How funny is this? I'm a millennial. It's just crazy. And this is the first time I've ever gone live. I'm a midlife crisis lifeguard. And I can't even believe <laughs> I pulled this off. I'm all thumbs, man. This is great. God, you picked it. Look at your background. You're very professional.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. You'll probably see my naked son running around anytime now. So that's not as professional or or maybe that's him being professional. I don't know. <laughs> are you home right now? Yes, home Kahalu and we are actually under a uh, flash flood advisory.
0: Wow. And yeah. you're going to work in an hour and a half? Uh,
1: yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm actually going to take the day off. Um, it just I haven't seen my kid in a while. He's been up visiting grandma. So I got him back and I asked my boss if I could get the day off. So he got somebody to fill in for me and I'm going to be a dad today. And that's uh, probably no offense to anybody, but that's really my most important job in this life. So pretty stoked on it.
0: I love it. Well, you are somebody that works harder than anybody that I know. Behind all the fun and jest, I've always applauded your work ethic. and. You know, everybody gets to see you from afar, but I think I know a bit of the whole story. And my favorite part is if if I have this correct, it started in the Kailua shore break for you.
1: Yeah, sure. I'm a Kailua kid through and through. So is Cole Christensen. Um, wow. You know, I just, I grew up in Kailua and a place where it never got over knee high on a hurricane swell. And uh, I just, I was always infatuated with the ocean and, because of that lack of surf, I had to focus on tides. So I focused more on winds and swell and tides, just to optimize my surfing experience. Which literally, I mean, I think there was one day in like '89 that was like shoulder high, Kaiser kind of Shorebreak, and it, like you wrote on your book about it. It was awesome. So, but uh, you know, I still remember that day, and it was just it, that just started that thrill for me. You know, you know what it's all about. You're
0: you're the same way. Oh yeah, but it's fun because. Look, the world from afar knows you as the guy that will take off on anything. But I want to do a little general run through here, if we can, of Kailua Shorebreak to Eddie Cow Invitee, to XXL Big Wave Paddle in winter, to the guy that rode that one wave at Cloud Break that ended up on every international magazine. Um, I was lucky enough to be a, a bystander of some of these moments. And you have so much behind all of the stories. Um, so for me, it's cool because, yes, I grew up in L.A. in Shorebreak as well. And to be honest, I was the most scared surfer in the world until I met you, <laughs> which I, don't, I think your story is different than mine. But the first time I remember meeting you, I think it was 5.30 in the morning, pitch black at the original Volcom house. And I was always up early trying to surf and kind of get out of the way. And there you were. And I was like, hey. And I don't know how it all went down, but I'm like, "Whoa, this is rad!" You like to surf as much as I do. I'm like, "What are you doing, kid?" Like, we're out there, and I'm like, "Out where? Pipeline?" I'm like, "I'm going to Pipeline, dude." I didn't want to surf that stuff, and I think back to all the times you dragged me out to Waimea for the first time. I mean, one of my big first swells to Fiji was with you to Cloud It's like all these things paddling Cortez Bank
1: paddling Cortez Bank let's go back there said nobody ever the place, <laughs> place is so horrifying I still remember vividly the very first time I met you Alex and I remember you ran up to me and you you tugged on my leash and you said hey my name's Alex gray I just wanted to say hi and I thought for sure somebody <laughs> was playing a prank on me and I kept looking around And you were just this excited 12-year-old kid just frothing. And you still hold that same excitement. And I think that's what made us always uh, connect on on so many levels is just that excitement for for life. So I remember it vividly. I do. I do. I think Troy Eckert actually put Uh, you up to it.
0: He probably did. Hey, go run up to that big scary dude about to paddle out and see if he wants (laughs) to talk to you. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, Troy. What else you want me to do?
1: <laughs> That's funny too, because um, yes, I you you're right.
0: To... You know what? You're right.
1: You Sorry. were at uh, Jaws and also at Clawbreak, so we've got a lot of great stories together. And and I think, I think that that original building of our friendship at such a young age, for me, it always helped me be comfortable in dangerous situations having somebody else out there. Because surfing by yourself. Uh, for me personally, my mind starts to play too big of a role. And I start thinking, what am I doing out here? But if I see somebody else, you or Healy or, you know, somebody else who just is out there, it, it calms me down. And then the kind of thought process becomes, well, it's just water. It's not that bad. So uh, well, I, for me, that, that's all it's worth.
0: I was there for your big wave paddling. It's just, I don't even think I caught a wave that session, to be honest. So all these things that Dave's talking about, I think I may have caught one to, well, no, if I caught one, his was three times the size. That's what I'm going with here. But we've already jumped through. I had some things that I wanted to get news, but since we're already here, you know, fear is a big part of what we're dealing with right now. And a big thanks to you. Um, There is an aspect of fear that can allow us to achieve things that we never imagined. As a young kid, I thought it was just the, the fight side of fear, you know, the the fight or flight, all of that. And fear to me was like, oh, when I got scared, I was supposed to run or something bad was going to happen. And it seems like in big wave surfing, and maybe you can break this down for us and within the critical situations you deal with as a lifeguard, which are life and death as well, where do you find that peaceful moment to have your own clear thinking process to a achieve something for yourself or better somebody else along the way?
1: uh repetition repetition is definitely going to help calm you down you're never going to be ready for one of those extreme um like horrifying moments where somebody's life is on the line that's that i i I, i'm afraid to say that i've actually been through that repeat repetitively too much but you know that's that's the job i'm in but i think i think practice um when you (laughs) practice your breath holds what it would be doing is um obviously using your quadriceps right your biggest muscle in your body your thighs so go ahead and and do some sprints and hold your breath do some indoor cycling right now right you can't go outside so do some indoor cycling anything aerobic but you're actually holding your breath that'll help increase your breath hold Um, but for me the mind over matter thing is you have to find somewhere in your head that is your happy place. And for myself, I always practiced doing ABCs with my kid at a young age uh, because I was still very, very adamant about chasing big swells with you around the world when he was born. And so I remember having absolutely horrifying wipeouts. In my head, I would just be drawing the alphabet with my fingers like I do. We'd be lying on the bed and I'd be drawing the alphabet. A b c and if i got all the way to z and i still wasn't up then i would go back and draw them lowercase and for me that's a good solid minute underwater which i have done which i don't recommend to anybody but um yeah yeah so that's a good way to do it for mark healy mark healy likes to think that there's a fish just out of range and he's waiting for it to come in so he can get a shot on it. Everybody's different and uh, that's kind of up to you because just because you're good at holding your breath in a swimming pool does not mean that you're going to be good at holding your breath in 30-foot surf. It's a very, very uncomfortable environment. So um, you have to find that happy place in your mind. You have to be able to close your eyes and just pretend that you're there. The first
0: time I ever saw a 2 wave hold down was when we were at Cloud Break. It was the swell that Bruce Irons rode that big wave on the orange board. Sure. And uh, the last thing I remember seeing was you and the lip getting thrown over the falls, trying to punch through. And then the next wave coming in, the board not coming up or you. And I was like, Oh my God, he's down. And that was before we had jet skis out there.
1: Yeah. You know what, uh, this, there was a ski, but it was for a photographer, uh, that, that, that day, 2011, I believe. I remember it got kind of windy. Everybody had gone in. It was myself. Reef Macintosh and Garrett McNamara out there three of us and it started as legit 20 foot set came and paddled over one and I was just focusing on my breathing saying okay I'm going to be perfectly in the spot I'm going to whip it and go on the second one that's going to be more of a double up and I was breathing breathing looking down at my board and then I looked up and realized I wasn't going to make it so I had an eight foot board and I was wearing a padded vest I just got from Dorian. He hadn't had that inflatable one yet, but they're the thick padded ones. And I tried to dunk mid face. And it's really hard to dunk an eight foot board, but it's even harder to do a jacket on. And I was going through and I was wiggling my board like an alligator trying to get through. And I remember seeing the back of the wave and the offshore breeze hitting it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And then all of a sudden everything stopped. And then in slow motion, I went backwards like that over the falls and I remember just bear hugging my board going over and that but as soon as the impact my board exploded into pieces my leash ripped off and I thought to myself well you know I've never had a jacket on before so this is the best case scenario in case I do black out they're gonna find me um, and it was uh, it was really loud and it was very long and halfway through that that wipe out I remember thinking, okay, it's settling down, it's settling down, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna come back up. And I started lifting my arm up to think, okay, they'll at least see my arm through all this foam and white water. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I just heard, a it sounded like a 747 jet go by. <laughs> And that was the second wave you're talking about so i never got to the surface yet and the turbulence went over i was like wow what is that and the force i felt it grab my fingers and all the way down my body just all over again and um yeah that sucked but uh uh ryan hipwood ryan hipwood eventually came in on a jet ski he grabbed it from a photographer i'm not sure another australian photographer who's out there with um and he came and picked me up, and he was like, "Are you okay? Are you okay? I said, Just get me out of here!" <laughs> okay. Just, to I, me. Was spent. I was really, really spent. That was that was a long time underwater. It's a lot, long time to think about things, but um, yeah. Uh, what I vividly remember is the 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 shiny water coming off the lip on the back of the wave and I also remember that that sound of the, the second wave going over and it sounded like a 747 was taking off right on my head. And that was that second wave going over. Woo, that's a good memory, Alex. All right. Hey, you know what's funny? Uh, on the boat ride out, the boat ride out, the guy oh, here we go. looked at you, and, and at, you know, we're out there. I mean, everybody <laughs> there, right? Bruce Irons, yourself, myself, the, Godowskis brothers, everybody's there, and the guy looks at you and goes, hey, bro, do you charge? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those moments you're like, uh, I don't even know how to answer that.
0: <laughs> we'll stay over, up. <laughs> oh, I remember looking over at you and just seeing you bent over laughing, and I'm like, you know what's worse about this is the fact that you were here for it, and I'm going to hear about it 12 years later.
1: That was amazing. That was such a great session. Every like Ryan Hipwood, you could go on his Instagram right now and see one of the ways from that session. It was insane. You've got a m- bunch of them. Garrett probably had the wipeout of the day spinning on his back. I mean, going down on a stand-up paddle. That was that was a, a that's kind of where it all started actually, huh? If you think about it. That was like that real big push into paddle surfing. People really got away from the whole toe-in jet ski thing and really started to push it. That was, that was amazing. That was the summer of 2011, I believe. Wow. Time flies.
0: Before we went on the trip, you told me, hey, get some flotation. And I'm like, what? Like what? And you're like, grab like a, a wake vest or something. I'm like, are you serious? And I did. I, grabbed a, I was wearing a wakeboarding vest that I put under my wetsuit, having no clue why, but just that you said do it. And it was the beginning of that whole, um, you know, personal safety.
1: Right, right, With and crap. you know what the uh, the the pull jackets were out because I remember coming back and talking to Shane, and he goes, "I, you know, I gave you the the padded vest and a and a pull jacket. How come you weren't wearing the pull jacket?" I said, "Well, I didn't think it was big enough." And he said, "Well, it sure looked big <laughs> enough to me." <laughs> so you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, that would have been a great way to try it out. But uh, I think I think a couple months later, you and I would have gone over to Piagi Jaws and tried it out over there.
0: Yeah, that was a big year overall. Um, It was a great year for me to tag along with you once again. And uh, I think something that everyone would like to know, including myself, is you have a moment like that where you had a two-wave hold down, which most people will never experience. Where's the motivation to get back on the horse and get back out? Or is it just because you're so stoked, I and mean, love surfing so much? Yeah,
1: yeah. So so basically you start, it, it's, it's all relative, right? So you start off in Kylo Sharbeck for myself. I was so excited riding those little tiny waves, and I'm just chasing that high. Surfing's my drug of choice. That's it, you know? And so it just got to the point where I had to go out to these other waves and to get that same exuberant feeling. So nowadays it's that. So do I just shut off all the fun? You know, no, I so I just, it's, it just became the same as wiping out at Kailua shore break. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, and, and it happens for other people at different size waves, you know, it doesn't have to be there. Um, you can have a horrifying experience in head high surf. In fact, the, your, the chances are greater because we surf head high surf way, way more often. Those giant swells happen five times a year if you're lucky. And that's, you know, two in the northern hemisphere, three in the southern, something like that. It's really not that common. So um, their chances are greater in doing it in head-high surf.
0: I saw on your Instagram. I I broke my back. I broke (laughs) broke your back. Yeah. And was that a head-high wave? Probably a a pretty throaty barrel. But still, in comparison, if people saw the scale of that Jaws winning paddle wave and what you broke your back on, they'd be scratching their head.
1: So it's, it's all relative, really. That's what. It comes down to so um you know okay, it's, take it's me funny back too to because you when you a...
0: can you hear me? Yes. Take me back to maybe a contest at Kailua or somewhere where Clint Mankata from Volcom walked up to you and said, Hey kid, you want a sponsor? Was <laughs> this is the best thing ever because I just want people to understand the timeline of your life, where you came from. Because there's a few pivotal moments, and this is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's the Pyramid Rock Beach Bash. It's a little pro-am that went down on the Marine Base. And uh, you'd do anything you could to get over on this Marine Base and surf. It, it Just a couple times a year, the wind goes offshore, it gets good. But they'd have this little <laughs> contest there. And first time I ever entered a contest, never done anything in my life. And I uh, get into it, and I'm, I'm surfing throughout the event. And Clint was going from under his father's wing, working at Quicksilver, to changing into working at Volcom, and so it was a big thing. I didn't know who he, I mean. I kind of knew who he was, but I didn't know of this company, Volcom. And he said, "Hey, kid, what's your deal?" And I said, oh, "I'm just just out here surfing." And uh, <laughs> he said, "He said, I'll tell you what. I, I like what you're doing. If you win this contest, I'll sponsor you." And I said, I I didn't believe him, you know, I didn't think of anything of it. I said, no, i tell you what, man, you, I win this contest. You buy me a keg of beer. And he goes, (laughs) okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. I figured I'm not getting any surf shorts on anybody, but at least maybe I'll get a couple beers out of them and we can have a party afterwards. Sure enough. And and that's, maybe I shouldn't be saying that to people, but that's, that's how it went down for uncle Dave. Uh, I got the keg of beer and that was, um, that was a long time ago. That was 1991, and uh, that's where I graduated high school, and that's where this whole thing started. I got And I got a pair of board shorts out of it, too. <laughs> that you probably still have. I, I do. I still have the very first T-shirt. Um, I don't have those board shorts. The very first board shorts I had were this metallic silver, and I was so proud of them, though. I was so proud of them. And I remember I, I wore them up to Monowilly Falls, and I was jumping off this waterfall wearing them, and all excited with my friends and then some girls showed up and I like, swam over to say hi and what I they just took one look at me and ran screamed and just ran away and I didn't realize that that metallic silver when it got wet was see-through oh yes yes and so Uncle Dave was uh a creepy Uncle Dave that but I, I didn't know I had no idea you know and uh yeah anyway thanks welcome for that too wonderful memories
0: <laughs> <laughs> old sea snake yeah, you know, there's something for me, it was putting the sticker on the nose of my board, that stone. It's just, it's such a symbolic logo. And there's so much pride involved in being a part of Volcom. I'll just, I never forgot when I got to put the sticker on my board, I'm like, oh my God, I was getting a free t-shirt and shorts, you know, it was, I was a little kid, but you really felt like, oh, just a part of this rad family brand. And so from there you went and moved into off the wall. <laughs> Yeah,
1: so I, I ended up, um, you know, that was that was in the early '90s. I went to college, uh, lived in uh-huh. town, did the college thing, uh, pretty much faded out of surfing. And I remember getting a call from Wooly, and he said, "Look, kid, you're kind of out of sight, out of mind." I don't know hey, if you can are hear. You, that. Are you, don't know we're stuff.
0: doing a live right now? They don't. Know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Richard Wolcott called me and said, "Look, Dave, out of sight, out of mind. You better do something." So I said, okay, let's, let's go on a trip. Let's do something together. And I w- went to Puerto Escondido and had a great time. And that, that was it. It was a very, like you said, it was a very small family vibe back then. And I don't care what brand you rode for. I mean, I, I'm, I'm proud to represent Volcom uh, still to this day. But I think the fact that we were all kids and we all loved stickers, I still remember the first sticker I ever bought. It was a Power Peralta sticker. And I, I did my uh, paper route on my bike, and it cost me three bucks, which at that time was a lot of money for a kid. And somebody was laughing at me, that's a skateboard sticker. And I said, I don't care Look how cool it is. You know, it's got a skull, and it's got a big sword and a snake on it. It's <laughs> awesome. And I put that right on top of my board. That, for me, was my first Volcom Stone, was that thing, Powell Peralta. But it just it just goes to show that, that's that stoke that we share. And, and, and I hope people have that in their lives, especially now that we're stuck at home. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to, to embrace it and share these feelings with other people. That's why I think this whole social media thing is great. I'm stoked that you actually called me to do this uh, because realistically now's a great time to be doing this. Uh, in, in your day-to-day and before, you'd be putting off your daily duties. But now you can use this to reconnect. I mean, I call my parents a couple times a day, you know, I'm doing this with you. I can actually interact with you. Um, it's, it's kind of cool. I appreciate it, man. Right on. It's good yeah, call. Yeah, that's,
0: that's what I realized I missed. And I was pushed by a good friend, Kaeo, and you know, people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't really know what to do at the moment. To be honest, I, I got caught up in the confusion and fear um, and started second guessing everything I was doing. And I realized right. the number one thing I'd lost was communication. Um, And I had a nice conversation with you, and I was just like, oh, we should be talking during uh, this whole thing. And I didn't know if you had gone to college or moved off the wall first, but I wanted to see if you would tap into, because I find the importance of it, but just education within following your dream. Uh, You finished college, you got a degree, and you're, you know, one of few that I really know to have encompassed the whole thing while finishing school.
1: Well, there's very few people, and you're, you're one of them. Uh, I, I did I went to college. Correct,
0: Hague.
1: but listen, listen, listen listen this through. Yourself and Shane are very eloquent speakers, and you did that without an education. I myself would still be speaking Pidgin had I not gone to college. I would never have gotten a career or a couple jobs working for the WSL. I would never have gotten a job working for Volcom. Uh, you know, people would be tuning in, writing like, what is that guy saying right now you'd have to have some kind of deciphering code on the side so uh (laughs) it it really helped me and more so it helped it helped me uh plan my day plan my time because towards my senior year of college i only got to because of working full-time and going to school full-time i surfed every 12 days i had a little window um that was it so it really helped me focus on you know what I needed to do a task and and getting there so um, I I think it was really really for me personally it was a great experience and now I can fall back on it you know as a lifeguard I can use my college marketing degree but I marketed myself to different surf companies and it worked out really well um, so far you know and got me in contact with great people like yourself so I'm, I'm very fortunate very fortunate
0: Yeah, I've always been so impressed by your, just general awareness of how to move forward. Um, You know, one thing about being an athlete, a sponsored athlete, or somebody with a dream is you have to create your own schedule, which you don't realize can be very tough, because you want to (laughs) be busy all day long, promoting you and what you want to do, and then being one step ahead of the game. And you have done this for generations now. You have remarketed yourself time and time again from the Kailua Shorebreak kid to the off the wall master to the XXL big wave dude to a lifeguard and now a dad. And I just love how well-rounded your life has been this whole time. But throughout it all, you never lost you or the fun. And when you decided to become a lifeguard was that a choice where you're like, hey, I still want to surf every day. What kind of job can I have that will keep me surfing?
1: that's exactly right. I, I just figured, no, nobody gets paid past 30. Um, you know, you're just pushed off and they're looking for the next best thing. So I'm going to get paid to go to the beach and surf on my lunch breaks and it's going to be awesome. And not to mention, uh, you know, that that was a big part of it, but I really wanted to be able to give back to the community that done so much for me. You know, I really felt, I mean, all area and, uh, a tight community Everybody knew each other's names and I just felt like gosh I, I better do something for these people that were so nice to me. Let me live next door to them You know, maybe maybe cause a little too much noise at times, but but they allowed me to stay uh, and so it's, it's been good it's been 15 years and um, You know, it's an interesting time. We're in right now. Everybody's thought like oh yolo, I'm just gonna be a pro surfer it, Looking at what's going on right now in the world Having an education is not a bad thing, kids. I'm not telling you how to live your life, but it's not a bad thing. There's, there's not too many people really crushing it in this game of life as far as pro surfers, right? So that's a, it's a tough it's – a, it's, a lot has changed from where we started and everybody was making some money. Now there's that 5% making money and there's 95 just chipping away at it, um, you know, getting a sticker and a pair of board shorts. So uh, it's something to think about. Becoming a lifeguard is another thing to think about. We're looking for a few good men and women. Hey, still working. Well, I right
0: now. To, uh, saying the educational uh, bit, I've been speaking to high schools and, you know, it, anything that's worth it in life is hard, right? You got to put your head down and get through it. And school for me, you know, I, I was like, I can't wait to get out of here to be a professional surfer, but thanks to great parents, you know, I had to get a Good grade, and I had to show up to school, and I would be traveling half the year, but it was getting work done first. And you know, the lessons within there are what really brought me to to be self sufficient um, and know that I'm capable of doing things that I don't want to, but it's all part of it, right? I mean, we live the dream, but within there, there is politics. There are times that people don't understand, and. That education has allowed me to fall back on it. And uh, I would like to see more young professional surfers right now, especially going through this time, have that well-rounded base of education on top of an incredible, um, you know, 1% skill level in the world chasing their dream.
1: Right. And, and at least
0: at least a high school diploma, for sure. Exactly. So what's going on now for you as a lifeguard, you know, here in LA, our beaches closed yesterday. Um, I, I am always open to our government and everything they feel is safe. What type of safety precautions are you guys taking over there? What's changed?
1: Well, it seems that here in Hawaii, we're always three to five days, if not a week behind you guys. So beaches are, the, you can go surf. The governor said you can go surf, but you can't really hang out on a beach. So there are police doing patrols up and down the beach. removing people. You can go across the beach. Go out and surf, swim, get your exercise to come back. But you know things are changing on a 24-hour basis. Right now in downtown Honolulu, if you're over 60 years old, you'll get a ticket for walking, going out and getting exercise. You can't even do that that because those are high-risk people. Um, there's, I mean, it's really starting to crack down here. Um, the flights, you know, I don't think everybody says, "Oh, we should have done this a long time ago and just limited all the flights and this and that." You can't do that looking back on it, it seems that they kind of were taking pieces away one at a time so not cause a huge panic um, it seems like it's working quite well but I think that you know this virus doesn't spread itself let's start there right it's not out there just eating up everything and moving it goes from one person to the next so unless we stop moving that virus will continue to move with us. So we need to really just settle down that, that 18 months. And it went through what we talked about from, you know, getting hammered at, at cloud Break to going back and getting those covers into going to JAWS and getting double XL and making the final of the biggest Mavericks event. That was all within 18 months. And that was right as my child was born. Um, and so, yeah, it was, you just look at it differently. Like this is now a job You you're not, you're coming home with something more than a, just a, a suntan, Dave. you got to get a mouth to feed. So um, it, it worked out well. It helped me focus. And it kind of put me back in that mentality of when I was going to college. And I really had to make sure that while I was going to the beach at that every 12 days, I really focused on that task. So
0: that's it. As long as I've known you, you've never been somebody who paddles out and doesn't just at least do something crazy. And sometimes it's just one wave, right? And that's always baffled me because I'll go and sit for eight hours, you know? And all of a sudden there's Dave and I'm like, what's up? And then boom, I'm like, what? I was here for eight hours. You were here for 20 minutes. A lot of times because I was scared, like really scared. Where do you go doing out whatever it is going on in your personal life to focus for that time that you're talking about? Like, I'm not just showing up, I'm showing up to get the job done. Do you flip a switch? Is there some mantra that you have or is it just show up and blow up? Like there has to be some cognitive thing that you're doing.
1: The most scared I've ever been anywhere in any lineup was the first time you and I went to JAWS. That's the picture on your Instagram, right? That's right after we had come back from that session uh, was the first time. And that was sometime January of 2012. and. Paddled out and it was you remember it was like 50 feet. There's like 60 foot sets. It was a joke I mean, it was so big and I paddled out and I was so scared Alex I I just told myself just Send it and get out of here because Just just nuts, you know, and that was the first time I'd worn one of those pull suits and I Saw it was crowded. There's like 50 people out and it 60 people out just 50 60 feet I'm just going what are we doing out here? And I paddled right over down. He's the local guy at that spot. And I said, Ian, where's the peak of this wave? What do I need to look for? And he said, Oh, go into over here, look in that valley, line up these two trees. That's the peak. So I paddled and paddled and paddled, and I got over there, and there's one guy, and it's Dorian. And I go, like, Oh, that makes sense. And I just sat there and waited with him, and just a freak set came. You could see it. And my heart was just in my throat. And I remember just going, okay, just wait for the second. It's going to be a double up. And I went. And, uh, you know, I actually thought that Shane was going to actually catch that wave with me. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he's going to drop in on me. At least he's going to make it, you know? So there was no thought process in my mind like, we're not both going to ride this great wave. But uh, that's how it was. I was just scared. And uh, I went and I caught that wave. Um, I think Makua had paddled over that point. I remember him screaming something um and at that moment it was just three friends out surfing you know it never, it never and at that point also i was so excited because i knew i was going in <laughs> that's it and i was i was horrified and I, I i went in i got caught that wave and i went in and uh, it ended up you know it was one wave it was not there for very long and it was uh deemed the biggest paddle wave in the world you know um at that at that for that year right for that year um obviously guys have gotten bigger waves but um uh, still still it was uh it was exciting um and i was lucky to share a moment with you guys that was awesome
0: do you have the thing i have it and, i mean and that, also,
1: i never had to go back after that either
0: <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> That day was so gnarly. Um, do you have the part of you where you would rather go than not because the feeling of backing out and then not sleeping for the next couple nights because you wonder if you could have made a wave or should have? Um, well, you,
1: talk, you talked about getting back on the horse. The first time I had gone there was in December um, when when Bruce had won the Eddie 2004, and I'd gone there and owed. And i had had the most horrific wipeout and that was when i talked about that minute long underwater it was there and uh and i was doing the alphabet you know all the way down through the lowercase and uh that that was that was a terrible wipeout so to get back in the horse i
0: didn't go back for eight years but uh, when you went and got back on the horse you decided to go ride a 58 foot paddling wave
1: <laughs> well that <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter how big the bike is; you still got to pedal it, right? So that was just that was just what it was. I mean, it, it's I don't I didn't look back. I don't know if it was that big. You know, somebody else said it was that big. Some guy I don't know, but whatever. They um it you, there wasn't really small ways that day, uh, <laughs> no. but it was just it was just one of those things where I it just had to be done. I had to do it to just one, just prove to myself that it could be done, and two, just to get out of there. Because at that same time in my head, I knew that sticking around and doing that too many times was not going to be good. So, um, you know, you can't hesitate, and you know that. You've learned it over and over again. If you hesitate, even on a head high wave, if you hesitate, you go over. Imagine hesitating on a wave that's 50 plus feet. It sucks. It's. <laughs> It's just the worst of the worst so um, you know just it was just one of those things head down and go and and the coolest thing about that is is all the Maui guys who if you don't know any Maui people get yourself some in your in your inner circle because they will humble you. You know they're the types of people who go oh like somebody said oh that was a 50 footer. Maui guys gonna tell you that was like 10. So <laughs> they're just they're so awesome. It's hilarious. Uh, you know, pipe to them. Pipeline never gets bigger than four feet. So, um, you know, it's it's really refreshing to, to have them on your side. Like, hey, that was a good one and, and whatnot. So um, it's thanks thanks to all those guys for allowing us to come over and surf their wave. And then, now they're sharing it with the world. You know, that place is crowded now. We kind of got it not too bad for a while there, but ooh, it's back now.
0: Well. You've done the craziest things I've ever seen from Fiji, Tahiti, Hawaii. I just, it's, for all of you out there, when you hang out with Dave, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride every time. Uh, But I can honestly say that there's no way that I would have found any of this thing in kind of ways of consequence, whatever you want to deem it, without your friendship. And it's fun to reflect on that. So thanks for taking a little uh, blonde-haired,
1: Kid tugging on your leash under your wing. I, I think I think it was great for all of us. I mean, you're the first guy. Think about this: after those eighteen months where we traveled together and all this happened, uh, you got invited into the Eddie account. You're the first guy from LA <laughs> ever, still to this day.
0: It's I, I have I have it over there. It's, it's yeah, the it, I, it, it will go with me everywhere. Um, but there's no way without being your friend would I have ever ended up in this circle. And it's been so rad. Speaking of that, be, getting invited to the Eddie, you, we talked about it. You've been trying since you were, I mean, that was your goal and dream. Yes. And had been, you know, butting your head into some challenges along the way. And I'm just so stoked for you. You know, it's, that's probably one of the hardest earned or deserved awards there is.
1: Right. And, and for people who say, you know, I, I should be in this, I should be in this, now that you could snap your back just picking up an eight or nine month old baby. So, you know, it's been four years, Sarah. You're so, such a badass. And that's just that warrior mentality that people talk about. I don't even think you can comprehend how, how, how rad this woman is and, and just persevering. performances um and you know for me that's a personal thing and and i'm just i i have i'm fortunate i have very very good people in my life you're one of them sarah and jerry baby josie i mean they're great people and i keep those people really close to me and you know i i do my best to when we go on air at the vulcan pipe pro and just say hey gather as much merch as i can and, and give it up you know and it's some of the stuff you can't get it you know yeti has got our cups and stuff for the broadcast so i make sure that that stuff goes out to these people um and it's just that positivity where all you have to do once a year is write something nice for my friend sarah to read and she wakes up she reads it and she chooses a winner um now i i apologize i i just The the winner just got chosen last week, and I haven't gone to the post office. You do realize there's things going on in the world right now. (laughs) Still have your stuff. Uh, Who was it? It was uh, Mermaid's Path, actually. I think she won it. Um, And you know, it's just just she made her smile, and it was because she told her, "I too believe in the power of positivity, and you got this." And and that's really what it came down to. So, you know, um, I think. Alex, that there's a lot of things in this world that we can't totally explain, but good positive thinking and uh, a good mindset take you to the top of the world and back. So,
0: and right. like you said, I think so for having, you know what. Thanks for having me in your life. I really <laughs> appreciate. Yeah. It. That's yeah. awesome. One one big happy circle, but surrounding yourself with, with good people, right? I think that is in the end the most important thing because you will be influenced by them, but you'll also need them. For those unexpected times, so, yeah, yeah, thank you.
1: Um,
0: is the link in your bio, Ucaring dot Restoring the river is that another? Uh, yeah,
1: oh, that, that's a that's a personal friend of mine. Uh, the bishops. Uh, that's another thing. Their their daughter, three years old, came down. Um, she was very young with with a type of cancer, and uh, she's still with us today. Um, you know, I was fortunate that I auctioned off a board for. I think a hundred bucks, and somebody threw down a grand. You know, like, like that kind of stuff. Like, the, the, the number thing is one thing, but to, just to show like how much somebody can care is is awesome. You know, that's just, and you know, I I made sure that they came over and picked any board they wanted out of the quiver, not just that one. Like, just whatever you want, but. it's just so cool. That's, I'm just, I'm touched by people in my community and in my inner circle. And, and I'm, I, I like to, uh, I think globally, but kind of act locally, you know, um, I'm I'm from Kailua, it's a very small town. And so I've always kept that mentality around me. Um, So just whatever, you know, and right now, right now, a good positive thinking is one thing. Other than that, I've been just handing out fish to all my neighbors. <laughs> These are strange times we're in, man. You know, let's uh, let's make sure this is a great thing. Let's let's not see how this pulls us apart. Let's see how this pulls us together. How about that? Let's let's see this community start go. coming together. Right,
0: that's what I'm all
1: about. This is going to be awesome.
0: I love it uh, part of the reason I wanted to start talking with my good friends like you was to reinstill the positivity and kind of get us back on track of what we were doing prior to the tough times that for me personally it kind of clouded my vision that I was on uh, so thank you for bringing me back for you guys out there that was youcaring.com/ restoring the river
1: check mm-hmm. that out
0: mm-hmm. um, we'll also a couple questions to end this end the end our uh, talk today from from the fans. Yeah. Your good friend Greg Browning wants to know when are you becoming a full-time WSL commentator? We all are.
1: Uh, you know what? When Greg returns to the tour. (laughs) How about that? that? Because that's a great great guy still surfs good enough to be on the tour. That's a scary thing. Go ahead and check out all the momentum videos and watch that guy surf.
0: Uh, dude, dad, seventy-seven, dude, dad, dude, dad, seventy-seven. When are you running for president? <laughs> no, no
1: time soon, man. Yeah. No time soon. I got. I'm. I'm. I'm just trying to be the king of my castle. But I, you know, I'm still the vice president according to my wife. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're still smart too, aren't you? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> okay. Last question from M. Trout: Is that wave during cloud break the spell your best ever
1: no I it's not it. and uh the best wave i ever got was with mark healy at an outer reef that you've surfed before and uh the the wave was probably just a little bit bigger and the barrel was at least twice as long um and i, I you know greg long actually wrote a book and, and mark actually wrote down something inside of that. Uh, it's called The uh, the Thinnest Line, I believe. Uh, check it out. Oh, I'm sorry, Rusty Long. Rusty Long wrote that book, uh, The Thinnest Line. And it's it's about you know getting yourself over the edge of these crazy waves. And that's in there. Um, just a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. And Mark and I were the only two people out. And Mark screamed something like, no, don't go, or I can't save you, or something. I, I blocked it out. I just had blinders on. And I I was on a ten eight that was thirty five pounds heavy, and it was just meant to down those big ones, you know. Just there's no stopping, and that thing came off the bottom so well, and I I mean I just remember the tail getting lifted up, you know, the waves barreling and the waves. I mean, it's a, I don't know, it's big, real big, and. Uh, <laughs> The, the tail lifted up, and uh, the white water was pushing me forward. Um, the foam ball like this as it was spitting, <laughs> and he couldn't see anything. And, you know, I mean that was a giant wave for an, an outer reef, and that was, and and it, yeah, whatever. But um, that was uh, the best wave I ever got. That was the best wave, and uh, yeah, so that's um, that was a long time ago, and uh, know, and does, undocumented. Does it count because nobody saw it? Yeah, um, yeah, it does because when you got somebody like Mark Healy going, no, don't go, you know, it's right on that edge of that's that's that thin line that uh, Rusty Long was talking about. So yeah, it's a, it is what it is, but uh, you know, I mean, what then we go to cloud break and everybody sees it. So I don't know. To me, surfing it doesn't have to be seen by everybody, right? That's all. It's all personal. Right, and the worst thing in surfing is to do a turn and feel so good about it and come in stoked, and somebody tell you, nah, it wasn't that good. Like, it <laughs> doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter how it looked to them, how it felt for you. So, um, yeah, I, I was ripping. I was ripping. Yeah. Well, no, I just, uh, you know what? Uh, somebody just asked me, what are your favorite waves to catch? And the answer is the ones that bring me back to the beach. That's it.
0: Because I, I want
1: to keep, I want to keep this party rolling. You know, let's rock this thing till the wheels come off, man. Well, I think
0: we still need to make a pact to go on at least one surf trip every year for the rest of our lives.
1: Or bow hunting trip.
0: We could do that too. Yes. Either way, some type of trip. I yes. missed it. I yeah. miss hanging out with you. Thank you for your time today. Uh, there's been some really cool comments. I don't know if you've been seeing them while you've been talking. Everybody was super stoked on everything. Thanks. Right
1: on. Right on. You know what? I did see on your Instagram, Goni Zubizierta from Spain asked, what type of seaweed can I eat if I'm stuck at sea? And <laughs> Honestly, th- that's funny because the very first time I went to Tavarutham, I was in the lineup and I was just eating seaweed. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Well, it's lunchtime. So uh, the correct answer is any type of seaweed. There is no poisonous seaweed known to man. There's some that are a little more acidic, but uh, nothing worse than what's in your stomach. You'll be fine. So there is no poisonous seaweed.
0: And that's for you, Goni. Okay? (laughs) Go New York. I think Go New York's watching right now. Good to see you. How you doing, Spain? (laughs) Goni. Goni.
1: We're lucky. Thanks for having me. Um, Thanks for including me in your circle of friends. and I've met a lot. Good people through you, Alex, including your mom. Tell it hi for me. I hey I, I can't remember hey. the last on, time mom. I saw her. Was probably, I want to say the last time I saw your mom was with your dad backstage of Hi, El Gray.
0: Hey. Nice mom, everybody. You. Your name's Lori. Oh, it's so good to see you.
1: As well, as well. Thanks for taking care of the young man. And good job raising him, by the way. That just shows how good your parenting skills are well
0: it takes a village Dave that's true for anybody that's had to deal with me including Dave thanks a lot you guys it's a lot (laughs) It's it's, I can't even begin to tell you but um, you know what Dave Dudley and I always felt just so good when Alex was over there with you and you instilled in him some just really important Values and judgments, and uh, but let me just say this: listening to these tales of the two of you, now I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
1: those are all in the past. We're moving on.
0: <laughs> but it's so okay. really so nice to see you. I wish we could get together. And, hang on, let's get a picture. I'm gonna try. It. Here we go. One, two, three. Smile. Ooh. All right, Wassel. Have a good day. Say hi to your family. Thank <laughs> you.
1: Yeah. Right on, Alex. Thanks. Well, everybody. Much
0: love, babe. And
1: we will get together after this is all clears up, okay? Love oh, you that would be great. Right so got on. Things
0: to look forward awesome. to. seaweed for everyone. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Okay, Bye. see ya. Did that end. All right. For everybody still there, I'm supporting this right here, this hat. It's at Team Stevens Nation hashtag AXALS. That's who I'm supporting. I think I, Dave's still there, and we're.